Um, I'm, I'm continuing on um, the series about making room for God. This is week four. And last week we started talking about how to walk free from fear. And we want to continue to walk in this. We want to continue to learn about this because it's real big. You know, uh, Tuesday morning, I, I, I was talking to the men. Was it Tuesday? Yeah, today's Wednesday. So it was Tuesday. So Tuesday morning, I was talking to the men. And I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. This just kind of came up in my spirit. And I think this will be a, this will just be a nice way to start tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 8. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 8, it's talking about possessing your inheritance. God wants you to possess with the faith that comes from hearing his word everything that he's provided for you by his grace. And he makes a statement here. It says, therefore... Shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day? For a New Testament believer, we would read it this way. Therefore, you shall keep all the word of God. How, what do I mean keep it? That means that I guard it to the point to where I'm a doer of it. I'm acting on it. So it says here, why do I do that? That you may be strong. And this is the same word strong as in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, which says, they that know their God shall be strong. That, the word means to be courageous enough to lay hold of things. It's going to take courage. It takes courage to walk by faith, right? And God says, keeping my word will make you strong. It will, when you, when you make a decision to keep the word of God, now you'll be courageous enough to seize hold of the blessing of God, of your inheritance. It goes on, and go in and possess the land, whether you go, whither you go in to possess it. See, keeping God's word enables you to be strong enough to go in and possess the inheritance that he's already given you. You got it. It goes all the way back to keeping the word. Keeping fear out of your life starts with you keeping God's word. Where do you keep it? You keep it in your heart and you keep it always in your mouth. You're always speaking it. This is why, this is why wherever you are, it doesn't matter. The enemy could be messing with you. The circumstances of life could be just seems, they could seem so big. But the moment... You start speaking the word of God out of your mouth that you believe in your heart. It will change, instantly change the environment because the light of God's word cannot even be compared to any darkness the enemy might bring against you. So in a moment of time, you could be feeling horrible and you could change it like that. Satan knows it. He doesn't want you to know that. You are a child of God. I think it's hilarious the way, here's Satan, he comes when he tempts us. He comes to Eve, and he's like, well, surely God didn't say this. Right? He always tries to get you to think different than what God said, because he knows how important words are. But if you don't fall for that, 
Then he'll back up and he'll say, well, yeah, but, but God, see, really God's motive for saying that is he didn't want you to eat of this fruit because he knew in the day that you eat of it, you'll be like God. Eve, Eve, Eve and surely Adam, especially Adam was standing there, he should have went, God made us like him. Didn't, it, didn't he already say that? Satan will tell you crazy stuff that are partial truths. Right? So, so you've got to be so careful with, with your thought life. We're going to talk about that tonight. You have to be very careful and manage your thought life. You keep your heart full of the word so that now you, when a thought hits your mind that's contrary to the word of God, you just are kind of like, whoa, wait a minute, that, that's not right. Let me, what is that? Because have you ever, have you ever all, all of a sudden you're tired or you got a lot going on and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I've been entertaining these thoughts and it's like, it's like he's just walking me off a cliff. And you go, well, wait a minute, right? Sickness, you're so focused on, man, you know, my, my feet are hurting, my knee's hurting, the, I went to the doctor, it's getting worse, what am I going to do? And, and you're just kind of thinking about it, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Because see, Satan's a killer, so he'll start out just real subtle, but if you give him room, he'll keep walking you, and then he'll start walking you faster. And then, then he'll try to pull you off, push you off, Right? I remember one pastor, he was at the Grand Canyon with his wife. They were standing there looking down in the Grand Canyon. And, and just this thought kept hitting his mind. You should jump off there. And all of a sudden he yelled out. People thought he was strange. He goes, why don't you jump off? <laughs> right? Shut up, right? Satan, shut up. I'm not jumping off. Why don't you jump off? Right? Keith Moore, thoughts just hitting his mind. I'm going to kill you. Satan kept telling him, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Down on the inside of him, all of a sudden, it rises up in his spirit. Holy Spirit says, Keith, why don't you ask him why he hasn't done that yet? Because he can't. Right? The Bible says, notice how much of a non-issue the enemy is here. It says, keep the word of God so that you'll be strong enough to go in and possess what God's already given you. Notice it doesn't say so that you'll be strong enough to where you can overcome Satan. No, it doesn't even talk about him. He's a non-issue. The only, the only reason why he ever is an issue is because we make him an issue. Right? The Bible says anytime he comes in my life, if I'll humble myself and then resist him, he'll flee. But this is what people do. They don't live a life of humility. They're living for themselves. And then they get in a situation and they're like, in the name of Jesus, you, let, you take your hands off my body. And Satan laughs at them. Because they're not, they're, they're, not, they're not doing the word. They're living for themselves. They're not walking in love. They've opened every door to him. And he's like, use the name of Jesus all day long. You don't even believe what you're saying. I know you don't believe what you're saying because I could see the way you're living. You don't believe anything you say. But, oh, if you'll make a decision to literally go, okay, Holy Spirit, 2019 won't be like 2018. I don't care if you had a great year. Do you know 2019, if you had the best year of your life, it's supposed to be better than 2018. Right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to humble myself. I am going to do what? I'm going to keep 
the word of God. I'm going to keep it in my mouth. I'm going to keep it in my heart. And I'm going to be strong. And I'm going to go in and possess my inheritance that he's already given to me. Verse 9. That you may, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that flows with milk and honey. We trust God. If he said it, I bet my life on it. I bet my existence on it. I already know. See, I live my life with hope. That means I live my life expecting everything that God said to come to pass in this realm, in my life. No matter what he's stolen from me, the enemy has stolen from me my whole life, I expect it to come back. And it's got to come back quick because I think Jesus is coming back. So it's going to come back before I hear that trumpet. Man, do you believe that? I could sense that you do believe that. We have great days ahead of us. Hallelujah. So just kind of to review, fear. Remember Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Can you pull that up? Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So if you look at this as an aerial view of this whole scripture, you have two laws that work. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from this other law that's there, the law of sin and death. I'm free from the law of sin and death. Well, what made me free? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Notice this. It says, it doesn't say is going to make me free. It doesn't even say is making me free. It says it hath. That's something, well, when hath it done that? It hath done that 2,000 years ago. I'm so glad, aren't you? So I'm free from the law of sin and death. So think about this. So what is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? You've heard me say this before. It is the law of agape love. Has made me free. The love of God for me has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? It's the opposing law. It's the very nature of the God of this world. Small g God defeated, right? Satan, what is that? That law of sin and death is the law of self-centeredness and selfishness. So it completely opposes. These are opposing laws, right? So now the law of sin and death, if you operate, see, we have this spiritual death nature in our flesh still. My spirit doesn't have it. My spirit, the Bible says, can't even sin. My spirit doesn't have fear. Does that make sense? So, but if I, if I choose to allow my mind hook up with the sin nature in my flesh, now I will operate under the law of sin and death when I've already been made free from it. I don't ever have to operate under this law. So you have the law of sin and death, which is selfishness. What comes out of that, what flows out of that law is fear. It's the spirit of fear. And that fear will connect you to everything that Satan does to steal, 
kill, and destroy. If there is no fear, he can't steal, kill, and destroy. Does that make sense? So here I have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's the law of the love of God, the agape love of God. It connects me to the opposing force of fear, which is faith. It connects me. Faith, remember, have you ever read in the Bible where it says faith works by love? So this, here's this law. Now remember, a law works the same way. It doesn't matter what, what blend of tint your skin is. It doesn't matter how much education you have. Like the, the law of gravity. I don't care if you're black, if you're white, if you're red, if you're yellow. Whatever the tint is, whatever culture you come from, you jump off this building and gravity is going to work every time. Right? Every time. It doesn't matter if you're really smart. It doesn't matter, you know, how much money you have. It doesn't matter. The law works every time. So every time if you choose to live for yourself, consider yourself, It'll, it, it will always produce fear, always, and it will connect you. It's like it literally opens the door and says, Satan, come on in here and have fun with me, right? This is why it, it talks about, and I, well, I wasn't planning on getting in all this, but it talks about that the way of the transgressor is very hard. The reason why it's hard, because he's operating under the law of sin and death, but if you over here, if you operate under the law of the spirit of life, in Christ Jesus, what flows out of that is faith. I know that my God loves me, right? I know that he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's greater than anything I'll ever face. This is, this is 2018. Right now, he's here. It works. This isn't a fairy tale. So now, when I get a revelation, oh gosh, I have to have a revelation of his love. Oh, good news, I've got the revealer on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit wants to bring and flood my spirit, flood my whole life with the revelation that he loves me unconditionally. And out of that comes faith. And that faith will connect me to all the blessings of God. So this is why we said last week, Throughout the Bible, it talks about fear in connection with God's concern for you. Every time it talks about fear, it always, the fear, it always comes as a result of somebody just not believing that God is really concerned about them. This is why we have so many of these doctrines in the church that are just, they're doctrines of demons. What is one of them? Well, you know, sometimes God says yes, and sometimes he just says no. And you know, I know God can heal if it's his will, which what we're saying is, I know God can heal, but I just don't know if he always wants to. Well, that's simply fixed. Just read your Bible. Because he always wants to. It says it all over the book. Well, I just, I just don't know God's will for my life. Is it good and perfect? Does it give you life? That's God, right? If it steals, kills, destroys, if it's something that hurts you, it's not God. So in 1 John chapter 4, in verse 18, we, went, we, we read several scriptures, but just verse 18 says it all. It says, there is no fear in love. If you operate 
under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of agape love, there is no fear there. It says here, perfect love, love that has come to maturity, it casts out fear. I love that. I don't have to cast out fear. The love of God that was shed abroad in my heart, it will cast out fear. It'll keep fear out of my life. So think about this. If fear is out of my life, the enemy can do nothing. Do you know if you operate in the law of agape love, it's impossible for you to argue with your spouse? Because to argue with your spouse, you have to think about yourself, and the love of God never considers itself. There, I've just given you a marriage seminar, how to never fight, <laughs> right? It, it, it'll keep sickness and disease. It, it can't live. You have to live, you have to think that maybe God doesn't love you or, you know, when, and, and, and I'm telling you, how many of you have ever had a sickness or a disease that's progressively getting worse and you're going and you're getting a more and more serious diagnosis and if you don't get your eyes on the word, you start getting very afraid. But oh, if you come and you start feeding on the word of God, the word will start talking to you and he'll start saying, listen, I sent my word and healed you. Jesus will start talking to you. I carried that. You don't have to. That's Matthew 8, 17, right? Don't, don't forget my benefits. Not only have I forgiven all your iniquities, I heal all your diseases. You're gonna live long on the earth and declare the works of the Lord. See, this is a big, big thing. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So if you're afraid of anything in your life, it's because love has not come to maturity. What does that mean? It means that you're just not convinced that God is concerned enough about you and loves you enough to see you through. Now, we could talk about that with sickness or disease, but that could be anything. It's very subtle. God loves you enough. He cares about all. Have you ever noticed how, has God ever helped you in something really little? And you're almost like, you're the God of the universe, and you care about me losing a paperclip. But what, it, what he's doing there is he's, he's just lavishing you. He's saying, listen, I... I care about you in everything. It's amazing. He wants us to walk in this revelation. See, you got to believe that God loves you enough to see you through everything that you're facing today and everything you'll ever face in life. He loves you enough. He'll move heaven and earth to get to you to move on your behalf. You hear about a great miracle in somebody's life, you should just be like, man, that's awesome. Because God loves me that much. Hallelujah. You can never believe God's will to come to pass in your life if you first don't know and believe that he cares enough about you to make it happen in your life. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the desires of your heart. You know, have you ever, you get quiet with the Lord and all of a sudden there's something down in your heart that is so much bigger and more glorious than anything you've ever thought of, and you know it's there. Man, you need to get excited. You need to be convinced that God cares about you enough to bring that to pass. This is why 
you know, and, and again, sometimes I say these things. I believe in the prophetic ministry. The ministry of the prophet, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, you know, words of prophecy. I think all of that is wonderful. It's of God as long as it's biblical. But I'm telling you, we've got so many Christians because of a lack of being convinced that God is, he loves them enough and is concerned about them enough to see them through everything. What they do is they're running around. And if they ever get a word, man, they just grab onto it. I know people that are grabbing onto words and they're so frustrated because they're like, it's been prophesied over me that I'm going to do this and do that. And it connects with their heart. And they just, but they never know how to bring it to pass. Why? Because they're operating under the law of sin and death. I'm not going to read my Bible today because I don't want to. I'm not going to go to church today because I just don't want to. As a matter of fact, I've been in this church long enough. I'm tired of Pastor Tony saying this, so I'm going to go to another church. And if they ever say anything, then I'll just go somewhere else. And then if I get really full of pride and get blinded enough, I'll just be at home because, you know, hey, then Kenneth Copeland or, you know, Keith Moore will be my pastor. That's awesome because, man, they could say anything to me and I'll be like, yeah, Keith, preach that, right? But they never walk it out. Or, or I'm, 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 I just don't know, and they're not going anywhere in their life. As a matter of fact, they're going backwards, and they're trying to live on these words that people have given them. But the problem is, God won't ever talk to them about it, because God's going to talk to them about the written word of God. And when you keep that, when you walk in forgiveness, when you, when you just do the written word of God, now your position, he's, he, he's like, thank goodness, man. Now, come on, we've got, I gotta talk to you about my revealed will for your life. First of all, you need to be married, so now you're finally positioned where I could bring somebody into your life. You finally stop looking. You finally let go of your life because of how important your life is that you have this career and you do this and you do that at the expense of why I've even put you on this planet right? Now you've finally gotten over yourself. Now I can move you where you need to go. Now the good news with God is he never gets down on you. He just keeps wooing you. Keeps wooing you. You know, it's one thing to waste a year. Some of you younger people are like, a year? I don't want to waste it. You know, wait till you get to be my age. And, and then you realize, oh man, I wasted a decade or two decades and then, then you, you spend time with the Lord and you're like, wow, he redeems the time. It doesn't matter. It, see, it doesn't matter how you started this race. It matters how you finish it. But here's the thing. You don't have to finish it in your own strength. You could just rest and finish it in him. Amen. This is huge. We went into 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but what is our spirit? Power, love, and a sound mind or soundness of mind. Because of who I am as a spirit man, I have soundness of mind. It affects my soulish realm. You know, we separate the soul and spirit to teach, 
But in reality, listen, if, if, if you leave your body right now, your spirit and your soul goes to heaven. But as you're, you're born again, human spirit now that's born again it has the love of god shed abroad in it it has the fruit of the spirit all it's like an orange one fruit different slices love peace joy self-control all these all these different fruit but also here now because of who i am it causes me to have soundness of mind what how because what i do is i meditate in the word of God in my spirit and the word of God, the, the Holy Spirit's communicating. He's opening that word up to my spirit man. And when my spirit man sees it, now light comes and now my spirit man communicates that to my mind and it gives me soundness and wholeness of mind. I now have the ability, see somebody who doesn't know God, they could go read another self-help book. And they could get to the point, they could go to the Tony Robbins com conferences and do all this stuff, and, and, and basically, they, they could get to the point to where, at, at best now, okay, the ship's going down, but I have a positive attitude about that. But that's not, you know, we're not, we, we don't think positively as Christians. We think unlimited as Christians. It's way beyond positive. Oh, it's positive, all right, but we don't stop at just positive. We do unlimited. That means that Everything says this has to happen. Nope. Bible says this. You hide and watch. I'll just, I'll just believe his word and it'll change that into what, and it'll come in line with this. Oh yeah, everything says I might, I have to die prematurely. Nope. Right? I was a drug addict for years. I fried my brain. I fried my liver. I fried my kidneys. And now I got all this stuff. And then one day I hear that by his stripes I was healed. And in a moment of time, now, not only am I not going to die early, but now I'm going to take what God did and I'm going to go around and I'm going to share that fruit with everybody I know. And multitudes and multitudes of people will get healed. Do you see that? That's the way it is with God. The spirit of fear, as we said last week, it wants to determine how you live. It wants to control your life. It wants to dictate every area of your life. And it always, if you give into it, it will cause you to act illogically. It, what, what I mean by that, I said this last week, acting illogically is you know exactly what you're supposed to do, but your emotions won't let you do it. Right? You know exactly what you're... I mean, here, you've just been diagnosed with something, and man, you have got to lose weight, or you have got, you know, you have, your, you have a blood sugar issue in your body, and you have just, you need to eat right, and you're driving by a McDonald's, and your emotions start grabbing you. Now, I, I, I'm just using an example so many of us could, right? No, no, forget about losing, okay, we're coming to the beginning of the year, Forget about this losing weight stuff. You don't, I mean, I wish it was that easy. Could you imagine? Here it is. So this represents all the weight on my body. I, I'm just walking through life and I'm just, and then I'm like, what, what, where, did, where did it go? No, you don't lose weight. You speak to your metabolism. You speak to your body. I love salads. I love, in Jesus' name, even Brussels sprouts, right? Yeah, the whatever, whatever, right? 
But no, no, you, you, you possess these things. You want to be out of debt? It just doesn't just happen. Right? Brother Hagen used to say this all the time. He says, the blessings of God don't just fall off on you like ripe cherries on a tree. You have to possess them. Well, in order to possess them, you're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be able to look past everything in the natural and lay hold of what God said. Where you're saying, let God be true and let every man be a liar. People will laugh at you, but they won't laugh long. When it all changes, just remember, I love all this social media. It messes people's lives up. But I'm telling you, if you use it in the right way, it'll connect you to all these people. And as they see your life blessed year after year after year after year, as they see you come out year after year after year after year, they'll start contacting you. Hey, what's going on? Right? This is, this is so important. Satan tries to lay experiences on your soul. This is what he's going to do all the time. So I would, I would encourage you to listen. He tries to lay experiences on your soul. He's dropping these thoughts. He tries to take us through circumstances and ordeals that affect our personality, that affect our identity in a way, in a way that literally tears our emotions in such a way that now we are so affected by past experiences and become blinded by them. Some people live, they're so blinded because they, their emotions have been so torn because of something they experienced in their past that they're, it's blinded their mind to where they can't see the truth of I've got a hope and a future for you. That I'm able to turn your captivity that when I heal, I take away the scar. That he, I remove it. That I make all things new. Man, there's an anointing here tonight. There, it's, just, it's just the word of God. It's the spirit of God. He wants you to know he's for you. He's concerned about you. He knows right what you're in. He knows everything the enemy has done to you ever since you were four or five years old. And he is more than enough and he'll bring light in dark places. He'll give you strength and he'll help you walk free from it. That's who he is. See, once if we allow ourselves to get blinded by these past experiences, we start to see our whole life and our whole future through the pain of a past experience. That's where Mr. Depression and anxiety and terror come. And you could walk free of all of it because he's already made you free. So a big foundation in walking free from fear is found in Romans 12 too. And I know you've all heard this scripture before. It talks about the renewing of your mind. The battlefield, the spiritual battlefield is in your mind. And there's three arenas of it. You have thoughts is the entry level. Thoughts, if you don't manage your thought life, you will, gain, you will start to produce vain imaginations in your mind. 
And that, if you allow that, that, see, all your behavior comes out of the vain imaginations now. And pretty soon now you're acting out what you're seeing in your mind. And then the enemy will literally cause people and circumstances to be in your life so that you keep doing that destructive behavior over and over until it grows into a third level is a stronghold. And I'm telling you, the word of God, the word of God will eradicate all of it. So Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world. This is, this is how you're conformed is the enemy. What, and what that word means is how you're pressed into the mold of the world. How that happens is he throws thoughts. And if you take them, he knows it because you take a thought when you speak it. So all of a sudden, he's throwing thoughts in your mind that are contrary to the word of God, and now he knows you've taken them because he could see your countenance, and he hears what you're saying. And by your words, you'll be justified. You'll be pardoned and set free, the word of God says, and by your words, you will be what? Condemned. That means you'll be sentenced and taken into bondage. Life and death is in the direction of your tongue. So now he throws those thoughts He's just throwing the thoughts. And, and, and this is how he presses you into the mold of the world. Somebody who lives their life like they don't even know God. Then pretty soon, if you, as you're speaking those thoughts, you will start to, your mind will start to imagine yourself living that. So, so then, when that starts happening now, you're being pressed into the mold. You're seeing yourself in your mind living a certain way, always being broke, never being able to be a success in life, never being able to have a happy marriage, never, I mean, all, what, I don't know what it is, never being healthy, right? Guys, 2019, expect change and expect transformation. People who have been literally a certain way physically their whole life, you're going to see them be a completely different way to where they see themselves healed and all of a sudden miraculous things are happening. Everything's being turned up. During the healing revival, they said it was just the easiest thing in the world to get people healed. Well, guys, get ready, 2019. Amen. Be the easiest thing in the world. We're going to look at this and go, all this stuff is happening. It's the easiest thing we've ever done because we're not doing anything. We're letting him do everything. Amen. Let's stop doing everything, right? Amen. Amen. Don't be conformed because see, then, then when that vain imagination's going, he'll continue to press you. You're still not pressed into the mold of the world because now all of a sudden, out of that imagination, your behavior, you'll start walking a certain way, right? You'll start doing what you're seeing. If your problem's alcohol, you'll start seeing this. You'll see yourself never being able to get free from it. And then what'll happen is all your buddies from the last 25 years will start calling you up and coming around and, and, and you'll start noticing. I mean, every, every, it'll seem like every commercial on TV is about alcohol. And most of them are about your favorite drink that you used to drink, right? And, and, and he'll just keep this going so that you mess up and, and, and you, fail, you fall in this and, and then you beat yourself up. He loves when you, I mean, he'll help you beat yourself up. Have you ever noticed that? You're beating yourself up really good. It's not good enough for him. He'll jump on your shoulder and go, hey, hey, you know, that's really good. You're doing a good job. But what about that? Remember that? I, I just want to, I mean, I don't really want to talk bad about you, but you know, you really blew that over there too. 
right? And he'll keep heaping it on so that the shame of your sin will continue to drag you back in. What is he doing? He's pressing you into the mold of the world. Pretty soon there's a stronghold. And now you don't even know you're in prison. Nobody can get to you now because you think you're always right. All you know is from time to time you have glimpses that this is not right. It says, don't, don't be, and be not conformed to this world. God would never say that if we weren't the one that decides. Do you know that you and I are the ones that decide? We can't be, we can't be pressed into the mold of the world unless we choose it. That's great news. Yeah, but pastor, I've chosen wrong for years. So what? Stop tonight. All you got to do is stop tonight. Repentance is a wonderful thing. Repentance is not coming to the altar and let me cry for 25 years so that God maybe will forgive me. No, no, he's already forgiven you. So repentance is here I am. I'm walking through life. I'm doing stupid things. I'm talking about myself now. I'm not talking about anybody else. So I, I'm walking through life and pretty soon I'm here I am in life just beating my head about that. I'm so stupid. I'm so done. And, and finally I come to myself because I just, I never stop hearing the word and I do this. I repent. I change my mind. And everything changes in my life. Oh, now, now he'll yell and scream that nothing's changed. Look, it, it look, doesn't look like it changed. Actually, look at this, Tony. It looks like it's getting worse. But man, if you'll surround yourself with the right people, if you'll surround, get planted in the right church, if you'll allow God to put you where you need to be, all of a sudden now, he will help you get strong quick. And all those times when we get to heaven, we're going to sit there and go, oh my gosh, the enemy was coming at me and I, God, you are so good. You just took him out and I didn't even know it. Because if God says, I want you to work on this area, and you're like, yes, sir, and you give this to him and you're working on this area, how do you work on it? You give it to him and you let it go and you just thank him that you're free. And then he takes care of it. The enemy's coming about another area and God will just wipe him out. It's like, no. He'll protect you. God is so good. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renovating, replenishing, right? Refreshing of your mind. That's what this word means. The, re the renovation, it talks about a refreshing, it talks about replacing. It's kind of like if you're going to renovate your kitchen. Step number one, you get the sledgehammer, you get the crowbar, and you just get everything out of there. Step number two is you come in and you replace everything with new stuff and now you got all new appliances and counters. It's so beautiful, but it's still not ready yet. You got to replenish it. So then you come in and you, you get all new food and all new this and you go to Bed Bath & Beyond and you got little spatulas that are really cool and you've been completely renovated. This is what God wants the word of God to do to your mind. To where now you think differently. Now you're managing your thoughts. And when he comes to you and says, this is not going to work out, you laugh. Because <laughs> Satan, that sounds like a, a screeching chalkboard because, no, 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 my God causes all things to work together for my good. He, he already turned my captivity. He's all, the battle's already, my, already won and the victory's mine. Right? 
yeah, but you need to do this and you need to be better. No, 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 no. I finally realized it's not about me. I'm not standing against you today based on me. I'm standing against you in him. And you crucified, you idiot. You crucified him. You did it. Thank you. What a pawn you are. Because when he came out of the grave, he said, now I have all authority. And then he turned around to me. Who am I? Oh, I'm just in Christ. I've been made his righteousness. How did I earn that? I didn't. I just chose to believe it. And he made me his righteousness and he gave me his name and he gave me his word and he put his spirit in me and now the anointed one and his anointing is in me and I'm in him and now you're done. Because I, I finally, I've given up. I've let go and now get out of God's way. Right? This is what we're talking about. That'll get you free from fear. You do this, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove, this means that you may discern, that I might see and know and identify God's perfect, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for my life. See, as I am transformed by the word of God, now I can see and I could know and I could identify, oh, I got all these really nice things, opportunities in my life, but that one's God. Right? And, and, and here's the thing, there's no fear. Because you're just walking around. Well, of course he wants me blessed. Of course he loves me. And Satan will be like, well, you're not good enough. And it's not about that anymore. I finally realize it's just not about me. I have gotten over myself. And I've experienced life. That's the way it is. The foundation of renewing your mind is this. You abide in him. Now, now, the Lord really put this on my heart, and I wrote this down as he told me, so I would encourage you, you might want to write this down. I know it, it, it probably blesses me because I just, I, I could read this a thousand times and get more blessed every time I read it. You abide in him by increasing your awareness of his indwelling presence in your life. You abide in him by increasing your awareness of his indwelling presence in your life. You become more and more aware that he's in me and I'm in him. See, I never, he never becomes more in me. I just become more aware. What does that mean? That he never leaves me. He never forsakes me and I can trust him. Now that'll be really easy if you think you're all that and you think you're doing real good. But when you mess up, that's when you're going to really find out. Because you need to be really aware at that point that you know what? He still is here. He's not leaving me. He's not forsaken me. Right? you got to know that because it's truth. It is truth. He doesn't jump off my car when I drive 56 miles an hour. <laughs> right? If I find myself going to the wrong place and I'm, I'm going in this bar and I know I shouldn't be. Right? Guess what? He doesn't wait in the car. He goes in there with you. And what is he telling you? Th this is not what I have for you. 
right? And then you do something really stupid. You wake up the next day and the enemy's there. And he'll be right there going, okay, you need to know I condemned all that sin in Jesus' body. We need to go from here and just, you, you just change your mind. Come on with me. Let me clean you up. And what happens to an individual, you become so aware of how good he is and how much he loves you that pretty soon the temptation of going to that bar, you're just like, no, God loves me so much. I just want to, I just, I gotta, I just want to know him. I just got to know him. I want to know him more. And pretty soon you're like me. You, you know, you, you're all, it doesn't matter if you're on vacation or where you are. You're always the last one to leave the church. So this is how, it's the foundation. You abide in him by increasing your awareness of his presence in your life, that he will never leave me, that he'll never forsake me, and I can trust him. Let's talk about vain imaginations a little bit. I just want to bring what this is up, and then we'll go into the, the rest that I have to talk to you about. Um, vain imaginations. Vain imaginations, if you allow that to be built in your mind, will cause behavior that will deviate the way God intends or mandates in his word for you to live. It'll cause you to walk in a behavior, this is how you walk, cause you to do things that are contrary to God's word. Does that make sense? Wrong behavior that you're walking in comes from wrong thinking. Right? Your behavior comes from wrong thinking, which is the product of an imagination that has not been renewed with the word of God or weaned by the word of God. See, this behavior is coming from an imagination of an unrenewed mind. Okay, so keep that in mind. What do I mean a vain imagination? Vain. Vain, the word literally means empty, Worthless with no purpose. You and I have no time to live any of our life with no purpose. Does that make sense? We have a purpose, a big purpose, an eternal purpose. So this is huge. Anything that is not in the Bible or anything that doesn't, does not align with God's principles is vain. I'm telling you, the Bible says this, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, none of it is of the Father. So be real careful, right? Because it could look so good and feel so good and produce death in your life. So you got to be careful. Well, what do you have to do? You have to renew your mind so that you can see, know, and identify the will of God for your life. Because see, a lot of this stuff is just not good or bad. It, it, it's, it's counterfeits and what, it's, it's what the enemy's trying to do and it's what God wants to do. See, God has a plan for your life that's way off the chart wonderful. Vain imaginations, what they do is they build a picture of our lives on the basis of other things than God's word. 
You could use a movie and go see it over and over again and build a vain imagination, right? You could get on the internet and look at people's lives or watch reality TV and build a vain imagination. And all of a sudden, you want to be this successful person, and it's, it's a desire that maybe God gave you, but because you're not submitted to him, you start thinking wrong things, and it causes a behavior, and pretty soon now, you're operating in fear, and you're acting illogically. So now you want to be successful, but you're doing stuff that's completely opposite of that. And you can't seem to ever get it right. God will help you out of that whole mess. It's a, it's a mess, but God will get you out of it. Romans chapter 8, we looked at verse 2. Verse 5 says this, For they that are after the flesh do mind or do give attention to the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, that means your inward man, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded is death. What's an example of the carnal mind in relation to healing? Well, you know, the doctor says this is just the way that it has to be. No, no, don't, don't throw that off on the doctor. He's just telling you, from natural, every, our whole medical society, it's all based on what they have gained, knowledge they've gained of the body through their senses. So they're just going to tell you the way it is, right? Dr. Ruthrie, I mean, you know, right? You just, hey, this is what's going on in your body. This is your blood work. This is this. This is what this means. But you got to be careful with that. Because you want to renew your mind so you can see and know and identify God's will for your life, which is that that sickness or that disease, that weakness is out of your body. That organ is, is working right. Oh, it may look like this person that you know is never going to serve the Lord. Don't, don't go by what you see. Because God can change that in a moment of time. And I'm telling you, the, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available, dynamic in its working. Right? For they that are after the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, to mind the things of the Spirit, is life and peace. It can't produce death. To mind the things of the flesh, it can't produce life. Very simple. Death is always a result of being carnally minded. Always. Here's the issue, though. The carnal mind is dominated by vain imaginations. Right? And here's the real problem, is death is not always instant. Death happens very slowly. Have you ever noticed... The enemy will kind of push you into something, but he'll never stop there. He'll keep pushing you. Like, like, look at poverty and lack. Do you know poverty and lack are a spirit? Those spirits will never stop messing with you until you take the word of God and mess with them. You have to stand up, submit yourself to the Lord, resist them, and then they'll flee. And when poverty and lack leaves your life, your finances will begin to change drastically drastically right death is usually a process of corruption that takes you in a downward trend this process is very slow and it's hard to see 
because of the vain imaginations that you've got in your mind. You'll start justifying it. You'll start blaming other people. People are never your problem. Every one of our problems, I'll just prophesy over you right now. Every one of us, starting with me, our problem is one inch under our nose. It's our mouth. You fix that, the Bible says if you bridle your tongue, you can control your whole body. What? You mean I can control my pancreas with my mouth? Boy, Pastor Edmund, you have a PhD in that stuff. I bet you didn't know that. You didn't learn that at UNMC, right? Praise God. You could add that to your, right? No. Did you know that? The Bible says that. Is that amazing? Wait, does that mean I can, I can change my metabolism with my mouth? Selah. The ability to eliminate vain imaginations and focus our thought life through the filter of God's word is critical in renewing your mind. We got to eliminate the vain imaginations and then we focus our life through the filter of God's word. We have to do that. It's the battlefield of the mind. We need to talk more about this next week. I want to say one thing here real quick. Just in closing, I'll leave you with this, and we'll get into this next week. We'll get, we, we really want to solidify this so that you know not only where you're at, but know how to get free. Now remember, there is an anointing here. All you need to do, if you want to get free in an area, you know what area it is, just say, thank you, Father, I receive that right now. You don't need, that's right. We don't, we don't need hands laid on us here. He's here, Right? Now, if you want hands laid on you, yeah, we'll do that after the service, not a problem. But I'm telling you, it's as simple as you grabbing it. Now, here is a key to vain imaginations. If you want to get rid of a vain imagination, you need to start living a life of thankfulness. This is why what happens up here in worship, I cannot even begin to tell you the magnitude of how important it is. Because the Spirit of God, if you'll watch, as he grows you up, the number one thing he's going to want you to do is he's going to want to teach you how to yield to the thankfulness that's in your heart because there is nothing thankful in your flesh. He will teach you. When you, when you get spiritually minded, the first way it's going to be expressed is you're going to go from this in worship to this. And when you're like this, I'm telling you, Father, I'm just so thankful. You could have 8,000 horrible things going on in your life. I'm so thankful for that new tire that I have on my car. Right? If, if I can't even think of anything, you could spend eternity just going, I'm so thankful that I'm your child, that I'm not lost. Right? So as you learn to worship, I want to encourage you. You start, I would, I would just, you know, get some worship that is scriptural and start learning how to worship. Get alone. Because I'm telling you, when you start worshiping, man, you'll start wanting to twirl. You'll start wanting to dance. And if you can't, if you, I knew one guy, this old man in South Central Los Angeles, he had this old office chair. 
And he told me, he goes, that's my twirling chair. I used to go to South Central L.A. because I missed in Illinois. I used to play, play basketball in, in some you know, pretty, pretty bad neighborhoods, that, but they had great basketball. And I missed that in California, so I met a guy. The Lord gave me this friend, and he lived in L.A., so he'd take me into South Central Los Angeles. And, man, we'd go to these, these parks and, and these places and play inner-city basketball. I felt like I was at home. But we met this older man, godly man. When he met me, I walked into his house. My friend Mark wanted me to meet him. He looked up at me and he goes, come here, young man, you're a pastor. And I, I'm just, I, it comes over me. And then he started talking to me. But he goes, see that chair right there? That's how I get free. He goes, man, I can't twirl anymore. So I worship God in that chair. And, he, and he, 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 he goes, I'll lift my hands and I'll start thanking him and I'll start singing and he just starts spinning in that chair. He's dancing in the chair. Worship will destroy vain imaginations. A person could come in with strongholds and vain imaginations and literally in worship, the, the anointing of God comes down and will destroy them. To where then, the, when the word is preached, see, we all walk in a measure of this all the time. Thank God for our worship team. I'll be preaching and I'm like, oh, wow, that's so good. You know, because I'll say something that I did, it just comes out of your spirit. And it, it's, but what is it? Why can I see it? Because I, I've just come out of this time where I've got my eyes off myself and I've just worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, and, and all he does is minister to you. Answers come, direction comes, a saying will come that you could live on for five years. Worship destroys strongholds and vain imaginations. I'll leave you with that. Amen.